Welcome back to the Better Men, Better Ball Player Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cobb. I want to thank you for joining us here on our 83rd episode of the podcast where we get a chance to talk to Coach Jonathan Wyman. Coach Wyman from Hebron Christian Academy in Georgia. He's a current assistant coach there. Prior to that, he just took the job, and he gets over uh, numerous he, he, his His experience is valuable, and there was valuable experience that he actually gets into his experience, uh, kind of his journey, and what's kind of led him to where he is now. But prior to that, uh, his time here at Hebron, uh, he was the former head coach at Lanier High School. He was there for six years. He was at Norcross High School for four years, as well as being an assistant coach at North Gwinnett High School for five years where they were part of a 7A state, cha- 7A state championship. Uh, more importantly, you know, Coach Wyman is exactly what this podcast is about. He uh, helps grow the game, grow people using this platform, which is a baseball coach. Strong man of faith. He's a teacher of people. Uh, he's, teached, he's taught, coached multiple sports, taught in multiple positions from special education to physical education, economics, social studies, so he's a teacher. He's a teacher of people. Um, and as, like I said, he's exactly what this podcast is about. I'm thrilled to have him on. We talk about a number of things, his journey, how they are creating culture, what he's seen throughout those different experiences that he's had overall from coaching football to coaching middle school basketball, coaching softball, coaching baseball. Baseball has been a constant, but he has been able to get into all those uh, other disciplines. So to see what his experience was is pretty valuable. Um, and he gets into a lot of that. So we had a great conversation. Love his talk with passion and love. You'll get a, you'll hear what he says about that. Um, as well as what COVID had showed with baseball coaches. I thought that was a great perspective. And um, willing to share a ton. Actually gets into uh, sharing his screen, and you'll get to hear a lot of that. So I'm sure a lot of people will be reaching out to him about what he was sh- what he was sharing. So, again, Coach Wyman, I can't thank you enough for hopping on here. And I uh, love every minute of it, and uh, I'm sure you guys will as well. So here he is from Hebron Christian Academy in Georgia. It's Jonathan Wyman. Started coaching right out of high school. I um, went to Presbyterian College, and I graduated in 05, and I came back home to Swanee, Georgia, started coaching at North Gwinnett High School. And I, being the new guy, basically wanted to get a job at a very, very top tier school. So I told them I would coach anything and everything, which involved football, which was probably one of the greatest decisions that I ever made. Um, I learned from a phenomenal coaching staff about all things organization, which kind of ended up paving the way uh, on the baseball side of things. But I was coaching baseball and football at North Gwinnett. I was there from... 2006 until 2010 and then in 2010 they built Lanier High School kind of like a mile and a half around the corner so I went over there with a buddy of mine that was uh, coaching at North Gwinnett at the time he took the head job I went to be his assistant I was only there for a year and a half so in 2011 I was very blessed to uh, get the job at Norcross High School which is in the same county but it's about 35 minutes down the road. So in 2011, I got my first head coaching job and I was down at Norcross for four years before um, that same friend of mine, Chad Launch, who uh, 
was the head baseball coach at Lanier ended up becoming the athletic director. Mm. And in our, in our County, you can't, it's very difficult to coach and be the athletic director, mm. but it's, I, I, I don't want to say it's not allowed, but I think it's like the timing just won't allow you to be a head coach anymore. So he, uh, he called me up and he offered me a job that I couldn't refuse, um, in the PE department. And, uh, so I ended up coming back and I was, uh, I've been at Lanier for the last six years. And, uh, so I think I got there in 2016, um, was when I was there. And then recently this past year, I, God's been pulling on my heart for a long time. My wife is a, uh, elementary school administrator at Hebron. She's been there for nine years. And then all four of my children are what we call lifers there. I got a sophomore daughter who's been there since kindergarten and my 10 year old daughter, nine year old daughter and seven year old son have all been there since uh, pre-K. So Mm -hmm. I was kind of the outcast and it was one of those things where I wasn't really actively searching. I loved what I was doing. I was, I loved life at Lanier. But there was a position that came open. And, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you. I took a massive leap of faith and a step down um, going from a head coach to an assistant coach. Yeah. But uh, Coach Drust, who's at Hebron, and the staff that he has there have been outstanding. And, they, I mean, I've known them. You know how the coaching circles run. I've oh, known yeah. them for years. But it was just – it was one of those unbelievably clear callings. And it's been the greatest decision of my life outside of – marrying my wife and, you know, having, having kids with her and everything else, like going to Hebron has opened up my world in a whole bunch of other ways that I never even saw coming. So I've been there for what, 10 weeks now, (laughs) plus, uh, plus, plus the summer, um, I'm coaching middle school girls softball, which is different. I'm getting ready to start, uh, the middle school boys basketball season. Um, that's starting early November. And then, uh, of course, we have varsity baseball, which I'm uh, I'm helping coach Drust out with the catchers. And then we're all, you know how it is. Everybody's everybody's a hitting guy in some way, shape, or form. So that's that's my background. That's how I got here. Yeah, it's it's great. It's what a story. And I'm glad you, you you told it. And I just love the principle that you started with. That is that I wanted to basically be with a winner. You know, that's kind of what started the whole thing is like I wanted a job to be with a winner and I was just I'll, I'll just do whatever I can, you know, and coach all these different things so I can get into like a really good school. And that's like you were just you weren't just hunting like any job. You're like, I want to get with this. one. So I think that's a great takeaway from it. And then you got yourself established. But I think from, from you, you put yourself on the right path almost because I love how you said, like, I forget how you exactly how you put it, but like you wanted to be with like a really good athletic school, like a strong school. And then you said, I'll just do it. And then you're like a servant. Like, I'll do whatever you kind of need me to be uh, that kind of helped build your resume. Absolutely. Yeah, that was cool, man. That was really cool. I appreciate that, man. That was awesome. Um, what uh, I guess uh, as people go about, you know, because, I mean, that's that's part of coaching and that's part of um, how, how do you know, you know, when you're getting those callings? How do you know when you're feeling, you know, when guys are trying to, you know, build a program or like when when is it right to take to take a step? I, I mean, people call it different things. Yeah. I I have ever since I got to Norcross. So I mean, we're talking what is that like 10, 11 years ago when you step out of that shadow 
And, and when I interviewed for that job, it was literally a conversation that I had with Chad Launch, who was the head coach at Lanier at the time. And he told me, he goes, did you hear this job came open? You need to put in for it. And I went, no, I'm not. I was like, man, I've only been doing this for like five years. Like there's no way. And so he helped me kind of build my resume and everything else. My wife has been just like all coaching wives are there. I mean, she is the backbone and the, the cornerstone, the foundation of, um, of everything. And she gave me that bump too. And she actually helped me take it one step further where it wasn't just a resume. We made a portfolio and, you know, back then it was the old school three ring binder and everything else of practice plans and stuff that we do and all that. Um, and I went in there, man, I was 26 years old. Like I'm 38 now. I was 26 years old. And I'm like, all right, I just want to feel the interview process out, see what's going on. And lo and behold, like I literally blacked out the entire process. There were three, there was an initial with the resume sending in, then they got a call back. Then there was a meeting with the principal and the athletic director. And then there was another call back, which got it down to like the final three or four, I think. And uh, that was when we met with the booster club and some parents. And I'm like, Whoa, this is a, it's a, it's a blessing that I've gotten this far, but this is kind of getting intimidating. Mm -hmm. Um, The whole thing I'm trying to get to is it was literally just, it it was a leap of faith. And my prayer life honestly was not there back then. And it was one of those things where I had people in my life. I had my circle as small as it was at the time. They were all pushing me. You need to do this. They were my biggest cheerleaders. They helped me out. And that's one of the coolest things that I've seen, not only in my life, but in the baseball community as a whole, like ever since COVID shut down and everything else, just seeing how this group, you know, with guys like you and and Sheets and and everyone else leading the way with the Zoom calls and the podcast. And it's, it's amazing how, how far away you and I are, but like everything's just so real and so right now. And, you know, baseball is the biggest game of adjustments. And I feel like COVID not only set the stage for that for baseball as a whole, but also for the leadership principles that we try to practice and implement in our programs and with our guys. And uh, I I mean, it literally was just that push. It was, I can't put it into words. It was totally a God thing. And he was the one that ended up like, like when you go back and you look, I can see his hand navigating through that entire process with the people that he put in my life. I actually met um, one of the uh, youth pastors at a church down in Norcross when I went to a random restaurant I'd never been to to have a cup of coffee before I went into the interview and he saw me dressed up in my suit and he saw he literally walked by and said not trying to be that guy but I saw all the baseball stuff and I'm a huge baseball fan and he sat down and talked and that paved the way to where once I got the job he kind of became our de facto team chaplain and I know that you're not supposed to have those in high school but, uh, you know, it, that was who he was. And that's a relationship that is still extremely strong to this day. But, you know, I mean, I, I go down rabbit holes all the time. I so love it, man. I, I don't remember the actual nuts and bolts of your initial question, but like it's. You just get a feeling. And that's the one thing being at Hebron, which is a private Christian school, I have been able to take all the stuff that I've tried to do with my guys in the public school setting without getting in trouble for the religious based stuff. And now that you can use that, it, it, the biggest thing that I tell my students and my players is you've got two ears and two eyes for a reason. 
and only one mouth. Like you need to look and you need to listen and not talk so much. And when you step back and look at that stuff after the fact, it's just so cool to see how everything played out. And it had to play out absolutely perfect for all of that to happen. And, you know, that, that it's, that's where as soon as I got that job, literally went home. My wife prayed with me. I didn't pray with her. And that was when I knew that the baseball field, the dugout in the locker room kind of became my battlefield yeah. um, and, and, and everything else. Yeah, I think that was great because I think you basically touched on things like your inner circle, you know, pushes you and, and people around you think like, yeah, this is a good move. Uh, you know, you have some type of inner faith. You have some type of self-awareness. You know, you like you said, you pray, you reflect. Uh, those kind of thinking when you do those things and you, you realize when things are ready to move on. Um, but then you also moved, talked about things that like basically like why it works for you and maybe a better situation for you, like especially with your faith, you know, going to a private school, a private setting allowed you to do those things without less uh, challenges, I guess I say. Not that necessarily challenges are wrong, but you know what I mean? Like it's more acceptable, you know, where you could do it even better, you know, where you had Absolutely. to kind of, you had to kind of like, say it a certain way or, you know, sell it a certain way in the Absolutely. setting, you know what I mean? So like, cause I've done those things too. You have your prayer circles and things like that. And you know, nothing is mandatory and I know how, you know, I know how to play the game. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, uh, it, it's just, I, I get what you're saying. You know, those kind of things were definitely hit on. Um, so cool. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, I just think with guys that have valuable experiences, you know, and people go through that, you know, and I, I think people knowing that they don't have, you know, I don't know if they hear that as much, you know, like what kind of things is it, you know, so should I just be moving and jumping? Should I be just getting a job? Like I'm not a, you know, I've been working, uh, helping with a guy, you know, kind of through that process where I'm like, it, it pays, like I think from what, from you, from the get go. And I've heard Coach Sloss, this is not my term, but Coach Schlossnagel, uh, you know, talked about it. And that's one thing he talked about. It's like, you know, don't just get any job, you know, get yourself, be attached to a winner, you know, like, Oh when, yeah. When you came out from the first gate saying that, I just think, yeah, like I think that puts you on a path then to make other decisions. Cause that right there helps you build your resume. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And I mean, and that's the cool thing is, is if I didn't learn what I learned through football right. And, right. and I played football in high school and middle school and I loved it, but you know, I always tell people and other, and other players that I have, there's a difference between love and passion. Passion fizzles out. Love is love is there. That's what brings you back. It's not going to be pretty all the time. It's not going to be easy. Nothing is. I was like, but passion is going to die out. And for me, football, as awesome as the game is, that was a passion of mine. Baseball, it, it's just like everything else. I see it through my seven-year-old son. Like, you know, I mean, he's playing flag football right now. He's playing basketball. I'm trying to get him to play as much as he possibly can. But at seven years old, when you see him sit down, and just walk into a room and disconnect from Fortnite upstairs and come down and watch the Braves play. I mean, that guy knows everything about yeah. the Braves. I don't, I don't even know half of what he knows about the Braves, but just like developing that relationship and just seeing that I can already tell that that's kind of like his foundation right now is he loves other sports or he's passionate about other sports, but he loves baseball. It's just, it, it's, it's really cool when, when, when you sit there and you see all the little things that you do, in someone's lives and how other people have an effect on you. I heard an awesome story uh, the other day where our head football coach at Hebron, he came from a bunch of schools um, in the area in Gwinnett County. And he talked about how there were three guys in that room 
and the coach was going to take a job at another school. And then the guy that was leading our coach's Bible study was a part of his booster club at the school that he was at. And he told him, he's like, dude, you can't do this. You can't leave. He's like the impact that you are having on these kids. It's going to pay off. I don't know why you just can't go. And for some reason he didn't go. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing is, is the very next year at the school he was coaching at our strength and conditioning coach who is at Hebron now was at young Harris college, which was right next door. And they used the same facilities that strength and conditioning coach that's at our school lumped up with the football coach that's at our school now. And he said, if it wasn't for you and what you did and what I saw and all the stuff that you did, I never would have gone into the field of strength and conditioning that I went into. And he just got back from Tokyo from uh, three, I think three of his uh, weightlifters were, were in the Olympics for uh, America. And it's just, it's so cool to see how all this stuff interweaves itself and, like, you know, the power of words, man. I mean, you never know when you're speaking truth into someone or you're speaking harm on the other side, what it can do to set somebody on a trajectory of one way or another. Um, and just all the little decisions. It's just like I said, I mean, look, I'm not trying to beat anybody up with the uh, with the religious stick. It's just God's doing amazing things in my life and the life of my family. And now that I'm at Hebron, it's just, it's so cool Another to see. How, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's on. It's unbelievable. And, you know, it's, 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 but it's guys like you. I mean, I've been listening to your podcast for a long time and just the, the, the studs that you've had on here and everything else. Like, it's just so cool to, that you don't have to go to a convention once a year and get sensory overload. I can hit pause. I can listen to it when I'm working out. I can do all those things. But the stuff that you've put on through here with the coaches that you've had on and the stuff that you've done, I mean, that, that's changed me just as much as anything else. So, First off, you know, props to you for everything that you're doing, because, you know, I, I know it's an extremely selfless act. And I know with technology, just like the first five minutes of our call, it's not, it's not always easy. Right. Well, like I said, uh, baseball is a game of adjustments. You know, we we, we mm-hmm. teach adjustments. And you know, if I'm not making those myself, uh, you know, I, I'm a fraud, you know, so I need to be able to make those adjustments just like we did. But I appreciate it, buddy. I appreciate it. It is definitely it's it's not something that's easy. And but it's something that, you know, it's always about a, a bigger it's not about my, it's not about me, you know? And so, and I appreciate that. And I, I love to be able to help out. And that was just, I just realized it's something that I just really like to do. I enjoy talking to and learning from guys and I did it often. I just never pressed record. You know, I would get on the phone like Chuck Box said, like Chuck's, Chuck's always went to, he's always gone to different places and wanted to see how practice was. And that's how I do that. I loved going to volleyball practice at high school or went to basketball practice. And like, I would see like culture when I would, you, you just feel it, you know? And, so now it's just like, man, during COVID, it just kind of showed like, all right, I can just press record on these things and go. Which, Absolutely. By, which by the way, which I got to think about that, you know, like you've, you got to coach, you talk about coaching all these sports. So it sounds, I would love to hear then your perspective on the similarities between all good coaches. Cause like you said, you, you've, you try to serve at the one uh, what place uh, and did it, everything that you can. And now you're doing basketball and you've done different things. What have you seen common through no matter what sport you play? This is the like this is what a good program does, this is what a good coach does. My wife always makes fun of me because she says I have a man crush on uh sheets, but uh it's it's all it's all about relationships. And and that's the swing that we're going through in education. That's the swing that we, and we've always known that on some level. It's just 
our generation, it was you do what your coach said because your coach said it. It was you being older automatically had so much street cred with us being the players that you just did it because that's what you were told to do. And now I don't think it's a bad thing that this generation or the last couple of generations of kids, they want to know why. And a lot of people can look at that one of two ways. It can be, well, how dare you ask me why it's because I said to, but if you embrace everything that a lot of the coaches are going to now, especially, you know, with, with what she says about relationships, if you embrace that, why I think it's going to change you more as a coach and as a human, when you get to explain that, because then you realize I really don't know why, or I need to figure out what is my lesson plan. I love how Butch Chaffin always talks about it. You know, he, he, he hits on it all the time. He's like, if a kid breaks an ankle sliding and you don't have it in your practice plan, that's on you. Like that's a contract. So to me, I look at practice plans, even when I was a head coach and now just even with my catchers, everything that I put on paper is my lesson plan. And in your lesson plans, when you're teaching, you better know why, and you better know what are your learning objectives? What are your outcomes? You know, it's just in sports, you teach it different. And I look, I've been in, I've been in the PE world for the last six years and and believe me, it's awesome. It's a dream job, but now I'm back into teaching us history, you know, econ and social studies at the high school level. And man, if you don't know how to like, if somebody walks into your room or walks into your practice and they don't know what you're doing, how you're testing for it and what the outcome needs to be, you need to go ahead and go back and start doing that stuff now because it's going to help you out by doing that little bit extra because it's going to flow better. I mean, I've had days where I go into the classroom and I'm like, this is going to be a dumpster fire. I have no idea. I didn't plan. And our headmaster put it in great words. And this is stuck with me big time is I don't like being reactive. I like being, I find comfort in being proactive, meaning I've got my plan A, I've got my plan B, and God forbid, I've got my plan C if it gets to that point. And I know that I've planned, like like coaches do, for the worst. And if it doesn't get to plan B or C, then I've done a great job. But if it does, then I know what I'm going to do. And a lot of times we do that during the game. Great. Pinch hitters, you know, bullpen, when to pull a guy, when to put on a hit and run or a bun or whatever it may be. But I don't think a lot of guys do that a lot and practice it during practice to get used to it. Um, and, and so it's, I'm working with a phenomenal basketball coach at Hebron. We have, we are very blessed where we can have PE credit for our middle schoolers during school where they, the kids take basketball. So I have my 14 sixth and seventh graders plus a bunch of younger sixth graders in class, but the varsity coach is in there and he is teaching these kids and teaching me and I'm running his system it's not about X's and O's. It's not about any of that stuff. It's all about relationships. And then once you get, you captivate those kids, you can use that through athletics. And then all of a sudden, everything just grows. I read a great story about, uh, it was about the, bam- maybe you've heard it. It was about the bamboo. It's like a proverb, I think, about bamboo, the bamboo tree or whatever it is. Oh, yeah. Where it got, yeah, where it takes 10 years. But then all of a sudden, literally, you're sitting there for so long and you're like, when is this thing going to grow? And then overnight, three feet high. And then it doubles from there and it doubles from there. And it's like you literally don't know what's going on under the surface. But if you can call that out in these kids and if you can develop that relationship where they will run through a wall for you, not because you said to do it, but because they want to do it, man, it's a game changer. And across football, across baseball, 
even in my program and, and now being at Hebron and when I was at North Gwinnett and everything else before, the one thing that separates them is, yeah, you've got to have plus athletes, but you can get so much more out of those kids that we look at as average or maybe even a little bit below because of what you pour into them. Softball, prime example. I had to, I coached with girls because of the number situation in middle school. It was a brand new league this year that we hadn't had in the past. And I had girls that right now in eighth grade could have played on like the high school JV team. And then I had girls that literally had never picked up a ball before. And I had the month of July to get them ready for the season in August. And some of these girls are bored as all get out at practice because they know how to catch. They know how to hit. They know how to throw. They just want to get better. And then other ones literally don't know how to play catch. But when you can turn that stuff into a game and foster a relationship through that, it's amazing how you can take all of the expertise and where you're at ability-wise and just throw that out the window and everybody's doing something for the common good. So I, I know it's a cheesy, cliche thing, but man, the, the reason why I have a man crush on Sheets is because everything that he preaches about relationships, I've seen that play out. And I haven't seen it play out as much in years past as I have in about the last three or four years where I literally made that my number one focus and my goal was we are doing more stuff outside of the game of baseball to reach these kids. And at the end of the day, you've heard it. When you think out back on your high school or your college career, it's not necessarily the games and the results of that. It's the locker room stuff, any kind of like team bonding or building things that you may have done. You know, if, you know, depending on where you were at in life in college, it was the parties that you went to on the weekends or going to the football games, you know, and, and all that stuff. It's all that other stuff plays such a huge role in the blender that you put everything in. But in the but in the end, I'm trying to, as she'd say, I'm trying to sell tickets to my funeral every day. I want to be invited to weddings. I want my players to come back to me in 15 years when they have careers and they have families. And to sit down and talk with them and just to see where life has taken them through, not through me, but through the game, but just how we were able to foster and kind of put those guardrails up to get them to where we want them to go and just win the the, the human, the human war. Cause that's what they are. And that's what these kids need now more than anything is with all. And I, I, I hate talking about the COVID thing, but there, there's a gap there where yeah. the kids had everything taken away from them. And now all of a sudden I feel like, everybody's trying to amp stuff up and overdo stuff as opposed to just taking back. And like, I mean, and man, listen, you want to make a good coach out of somebody, have them coach like seven U ball That's in right. any sport, in any sport. And all those kids talk about at the end of the game is where's my Capri sun and where's my, you know, goldfish. Like that's all they care about. And I know it's not that way at the upper levels, especially not in college and beyond because your, your livelihood depends on it. But in high school, you don't want them to show up for the snacks after the game, but at the same time, you want them to kind of have that mentality where it, like I've, I've seen kids go through such ruts because no colleges are looking at me. How do I get into college? How do I get into college? And then you have the other end where it's like, look, my parents are absolutely blowing me up about if I don't play ball in college. And I have, I have players now that are confiding in me that are like, I don't want to play ball past high school. Like this has been such a job for so long that I want to do this or mm -hmm. I want to do that. And I just want to be a student. And, you know, you don't want to step on the parents' toes, but at the same time, you know, 
you want your players to play. And some of those guys are the most dangerous ones during their senior year where they go out and hit 450. Right, because they you, have no you know, expectations. Exactly. And then you never know what might happen. So, like I said, listen, I, t- I warned you in the beginning, man, I, I, I paint a picture. Um, <laughs> my wife makes fun of me all the time. But, I mean, that's the biggest thing is if you can – if you can get the hearts and the minds to work together, your players, and and there is that line between coach and player. I'm not saying that, you know, you're your best friends and you're texting each other and, you know, you're Snapchatting or whatever the kids do nowadays. It's not that, but it's that when you're with them, like you, you've got to be able to kind of step back and just make things fun. And it's, it's just so cool to see the success that, you know, Trevor Flo, I, I, yeah. he's right around the corner for me. I follow him. Chan Brown, Chan Brown. Good Lord. I mean, you want to talk about like the the goat when it comes to, you know, not only on a national level, but once again, he's in the County that I'm in. Like I've known Chan for a while. I've known Trevor for a few years um, and everything else, but just seeing how our paths have crossed and me reaching out to those guys and everything else, those guys are all, they're all saying the same thing. Yeah. Now North hall and Parkview, they have a, a plus baseball players but they still hit the relationship piece. And those players would take a bullet for their guys. And that's what I want to get to is how do I get it to where I would have a player literally want to lay his life on the line for me? Not hopefully that never happens, but you, you know where, where we're going in the, in the cliche world. I love that, man. I like how you said that, uh, win the human war. That's a really cool statement, you know, the win the human war. And I think even that – I think that's what's changed too is – like you said earlier about it used to be like, do as I say, not as I do, mm-hmm. you know, it used to be like, do it. Cause I said, I'm the adult. Uh, where now it's, it's a matter of I'm human, you know, uh, I'm a, I'm a person and we want to see people for who we are. And, and, uh, but I also think that also makes people also be real in the fact of knowing that, you know, if I'm telling you to go do some work, I'm not going to, I'm also expecting those things out of myself. Uh, yeah. And, and, and <laughs> brother, I never realized it until I was in the classroom because in the gym, the kids come in, you do your lesson, they play basketball, they do whatever, and then they leave. When you're in the classroom, you're in the classroom with them. These kids have got so much. Go, I, I don't think I would have survived 20 years ago if I was in high school at their age the way they are now. And they're so resilient and they're so amazing in so many ways, but they are also carrying so much baggage. We use social media you look on my Twitter feed. I mean, it's you. It's all these epic baseball coaches. You know, Tom Griffin. It's, you know, R.J. Farrell. It's Chuck Box. It's all of these guys. David Webb. And that's what my timeline is, is it's baseball and coaching stuff. You look at the timelines of some of these other kids, and it, it's going to drive you to your knees to see what it is that they take stock in and what they think is important and, and everything else. And, you know, like I said, I have a sophomore daughter. And. I pray for her more than I pray for anybody else. Yeah. Just that she that, that that she can find comfort in that she is who God created her to be, and she doesn't need to change herself to fit the needs of, or, or the visions of anybody else. And every kid is going through that. They know what they're supposed to do, and they know what they should do, but they also want to play that popularity war where nobody wants to be a social outcast. And, and that's the the lines that are being so blurred right now that it absolutely breaks my heart for these kids um, all over the world that are going through stuff like that. And just the massive amounts of mental, mental health issues that are popping up and everything else. It just, man, it sucks. And, and like I said, that's the one reason why I've taken a big step back to where it's, 
what can I do through softball, basketball, baseball to help these kids out on a different level than making them softball, basketball, and baseball players? How can they be awesome human beings? So what, what, what are some things that you do? And you, you've kind of mentioned that. I think that'd be great for people to see, like, how do you be creative? Like, is this, is this stuff that you're planning? <clears throat> um, do you make it part of the season? Is it something you do weekly or just for the moment? Like how, what's your process in like doing these things like outside of the game or how you find time to do this? Every situation has been different at Lanier. We were on block schedule. So we had the hour and a half classes and it was twice a week that we had kind of like a homeroom advisement period where they would meet with their teachers and do all that. But then for the last hour, they would go to study hall. They would go to interest groups. They would do all these things. So we had something that our athletic director, the uh, youth minister at the church that was very close with our school, um, that he got together, the head football coach at the time, and myself and some other coaches got in together. And we called it because we're the linear Longhorns. We called it Longhorn for Life. And what it was was we took five pillars that we thought that were extremely important, not only in sports, but just in life. So for instance, servant leadership, um, gratitude, which was a big one, love, not only for yourself, but for others. Um, and, and they just, all these other things. And what we did was we literally, and, and now it was Trip Atkinson, the, the youth pastor who did m- the majority of it. But what we did was we made kind of like a curriculum. And so they would come in and we would bring all the athletes in and we would meet either in the gym or the theater. And we would talk about, all right, gratitude. First off, what is gratitude? We had the PowerPoint presentation. We had awesome videos that we found, just like most guys do for, you know, pregame locker room stuff or whatever. But, you know, all these coaches are talking about, you know, Tim Corbin talks about how important the classroom is and everything else. And all the other guys have done it. And, and, and they're right. It's just our problem is it's like our school doesn't have lights. So doing stuff after school becomes an issue because of sunlight. So being creative and finding ways to implement that, you got to, like you said, you've got to make adjustments, but we would teach them this curriculum and we would teach them what does gratitude look like? What, why is gratitude important? What does it look like when there is no gratitude? We kind of took these themes and each coach kind of put together and, you know, once again, I use this term all the time. We put all this stuff into a blender and then we poured it out and it came out with this curriculum. Um, and it's been awesome. And then we took it one step further where it was awful because it was uh, the football season before COVID hit got to do it. But we came up with a daily lesson plan. It was five to 10 minutes, but it talked about, all right, what was your pillar for the day? And then in the next box, it was, all right, what is a quote, like one main quote that you were going to use that talked about gratitude. And so one of the coaches would find a quote on gratitude. We would tell the kids, look, this is our quote for the day. We'd hit it in the pregame meeting. We'd go out onto the field. We made sure the coaches would pump it up and we would talk about it whenever we saw gratitude going on. Like I know in basketball, we're working with it now where it's none of this and it's all about pointing to the guy that got you the ball. Mm. Whoever got you the ball, you point the ball to him. That's just a quick way of showing gratitude and not selfishness. And so then all of a sudden, we always tried to come up with a challenge that you could do at practice. So for instance, gratitude, being grateful. One of the things that we had planned for baseball was we were going to have the catchers pitch to the pitchers and the pitchers were going to put gear on and they were going to have a competition and they were going to get behind the plate at the end of, uh, at the end of the um, practice that day. And they were going to put the catcher's gear on Mm -hmm. the pitchers were going to, the catchers were going to throw to them like a live game. 
And then those guys were going to have to try to throw runners out. So the whole team was involved. 10, 15 minutes each each pitcher got like five throws from behind the plate. They had so much fun. But the coolest thing that happened out of that, we actually got to do it one time before the season shut down, was uh, the, the pitchers came up to the catchers and just bro hugged them and said, dude, I had no idea. I had no idea. And it's really easy to sit there and judge someone or something based on their position and their the outcome of their athletic ability until you, what is it, you say you walk a mile in their shoes. And so yeah. that was literally one lesson, but you can see how impactful that was. But we planned it out where it was every single day. We hit one of the five pillars because it was five days that you we knew we would see the kids, a quote for each one, and then, all right, let's come up with an activity. And that was actually the fun part. And like I said, it's awful. It's just like anything you do the first time, it's awful. But then you get really excited about it. And then you do it and you go back and tweak what needs to change. And so that whole Longhorn for Life program um, was unbelievable. And now I have reached out to them and we are trying to get that over to Hebron. Like Hebron's doing a cool thing where, you know, being a private school, the rules are a little bit different where we can make some of our rules. And uh, for eight, get back from Christmas break, we're doing what they call a J term, a January term. Yeah. And the whole premise is, is it's trying to get kids to explore other options that they never explore anywhere else. So every teacher has to teach a subject or a thing that they would not teach in school. So for instance, my wife, she loves antiquing. She loves getting furniture, sanding it down and painting it up. And then she has an antique booth where she'll resell it. That's a class for her. Um, there's another one that loves a teacher that loves doing scrapbooking. Um, our, our, uh, our athletic director, awesome guy, Taylor Davis. He loves fishing. He's doing a bass fishing class where they literally have dads that have bass boats that love to fish that are taking off in the morning. And those kids that sign up for his class, they literally will meet at Lake Lanier near our hmm. school and they will go fishing, but they'll learn about fishing. I'm doing competitiveness in sports. We're trying to usher in the Longhorn for life into Hebron to make it lions for life. And it's going to be the same thing, but in that we're going to have competitive games. Cause that's what the kids want to do. Right. So like I plan on taking them paintballing one day, you know, yeah. I plan on having them do like a scavenger hunt. I'm trying to figure out how to get them into an escape room where they literally go to like one of those businesses that does that. And then they have to not only time themselves, you get points for getting out, but then you also, whoever's the fastest, Let's go. You know, it's like, yeah. I don't know if you've seen Harry Potter, but it's like the house cup for Harry Potter. Basically, each yeah. team. Yeah. Each team gets points. And then the winner at the end is the one that gets the most points. But inside of that, we're teaching those pillars to those kids. So that, so that they get it on the front end and then they actually get to see it on the back end. Oh, that's super cool. Uh, how, how my, I guess this was so like, it's, it's great. Because I think that's great leadership because it how did it get everybody to on the same page? You know, the Longhorn for Life and what you're doing now, like that's not just within the baseball program. That's not just within the basketball program. Like every coach is doing that. So my question is like, how was your leadership able to get that, get everybody on board to to everybody to buy into here's what we're doing as a school? Huge John Gordon fan. And he talks about in the energy bus. It's not just getting people on the bus. That's the first first fight. The biggest fight is is getting them in the right seats on the bus. So there's two parts to that. The first one starts with leadership. 
our athletic director, if he would not have sold out on how awesome that this could be, we never would have been able to get it done. So and he, it he had for, a vision for it of like what he wanted it to look like. Yes. And then and that's you what know, he presented what, to all the coaches. Yeah. And, and, you know, once again, because we we all went to church together at, at this church in Sugar Hill where uh, where Lanier is. We all went to the same church. And it was one of those things where on a Wednesday night youth gathering, um, we were all there as adult leaders and, and chaperones. And all of a sudden the guest speaker was talking about something and, and it was, it was, li- it was living out godly principles through like competition. And he used everything, whether it was, if you were in the fine arts, if you were in theater, it didn't matter. Like, and he did a phenomenal job speaking about this. And it was one of those things where from across the room, I made contact with a football coach who made contact with trip, our uh, youth pastor who made contact with, uh, Matt McDonald, our athletic director, and we all just looked at each other. And it was like one voice that went off that said, we got to do something like this. And so then at school, um, I remember that uh, our athletic director came down and he met with me and the football coach in the gym because we had PE at the same time and we were already talking about it. And then he said, I'm going to reach out to Trip, and we're going to figure out a way to get this done. And so that was what we did was it was a whole lot of emails, a whole lot of informal meetings and everything else. And we all kind of did the storyboard thing yeah. where we threw it all up against a whiteboard and saw what stick or what stuck. And then, you know, like I said, trip, the, 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 the youth pastor was the one that was responsible for putting 90% of it together, but he took the dream from here and like put it down on paper. Yeah. That guy's and important. Then, that guy's important. Yeah. <laughs> and then after that, it was just, uh, literally it was getting the coaches to buy into what it was. And we talked about it during a, uh, a, a coach's meeting during a uh, like a teacher work day that was already planned. And that was one of the things that we hit on. And we already kind of had like a pilot program for it. And all the coaches, when they saw the pillars, and then the other end is, yeah, yeah I mean, I hate saying this, but when they realize that most of the work's been done and all they have to do is be enthusiastic about it, who's not going to jump on board? So when you have a vision like that and you get the right people in your circle to do the right things, it's not hard to get other people on board. And you know, one of the things that I'm doing in a leadership class at Hebron right now is I've figured out, um, have you heard of the working geniuses? No, there's, no, there, there's six working geniuses and I need to pull it up in my email and talk to you about it. Um, but it's kind of like the disc assessment the all these personality profiles that are out there, the working geniuses, if you can envision each one of the geniuses is a gear, it's a wheel and they yeah. all interlock to work together. I have to go through and show all of them. But what I know is I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses. My strengths are in galvanizing, which is basically rallying the troops. It's what most coaches do naturally. And then the other one is I am a list. um, I I check off. I'm a box checker. Okay. So I love making lists and I love accomplishing things and I love rallying people behind it. But then you have these other people that are, um, they're wanderers. They're the people that come up with like, why? Why is that good? Or how can we make that better? They're the ones that are kind of the annoying ones in the room, Mm -hmm. but you learn to love them because they challenge the status quo and they make what you do better. And then you have other guys that their working genius is, is they're called inventors. And I I never figured it out until three weeks ago when I took this personality profile and we, we had it explained to us that when you can get somebody on your staff, that is one of every one of those it is unbelievable how productive and what you guys can do where you have somebody that asks the why 
somebody that can invent this stuff to come up with it. Like I, I'm a professional thief. Everything that I've done through this sport, I have taken from Chuck Box. Like I probably need to pay him so much for copyright infringement because of all right. the stuff I've taken from him. But it's like that. Like Chuck Box is, I guarantee you, if he took this, his working genius would be inventor. He comes up with all of these awesome ways to do all of these things. And then I am tenacity. I am a I'm a list checker. I go out and I find that stuff and then I shape shift what he did to fit my needs and to make it better and then to rally people around it. So what I'm saying is, is that we need to talk about the working geniuses later, like off the air or something. I'll send you the yeah, stuff. Man. It's awesome. Um, but that's what it is, is when you get those groups of people together and you've been in groups where you couldn't get very much accomplished because you all had the same working genius and it just didn't work. Mm-hmm. But when you got the person asking why the person that has an idea on that, why, then you have somebody who's working genius is discernment where they sit there and go, we might need to tweak that. Or I don't think that that's going to reach this kind of person. And then they make it even better. And then you have the other people that get the project done and then rally the troops behind it. We had all of that working on that committee and we didn't even know it. I didn't even know it until two weeks ago, but that's the one thing that I kept thinking back to where it was like, we had so many hands in there and this thing is a work of gold. And that's that's why it was because we had the right people in the right seats on the bus. And then we just needed to get all the other coaches on board to get their athletes to show up to these these, you know, weekly meetings that we had. And they didn't even have to be there. Do you think uh, I, my, my mind goes to, you know, and I, and I guess it's because of the several coaches, you know, that, that, you know, that we all I can't say we all, um, but a lot of coaches will teach or run a program through core values so let's say a coach that you've had respect for uh already is running a program with their core values did you come up with was that a challenge that you already had a coach doing that where then they had to buy into these five from the school like i'm just wondering how that conversation would go and like maybe what your perspective was on that where let's say i you were coming to me and i already had three pillars you know and you what and we're trying to buy into the school so how does how how would that kind of challenge work? Well, yeah, I see what you're saying. Where if somebody had had their stuff and everything else, what do you do when they don't want to do those same pillars? We actually we talk- even that, like, because I mean, when you were, you know, head coach, did you already have you did you already have your pillars? Then did you already have like kind of your core values of what you kind of uh, worked through? And then what would happen? Or how would it be like if the school wanted to, you know, go to these five pillars or the, the Longhorn for life when you've already had like these three pillars? All right. So can you can you see this? Yeah. All right. So. I'm learning, I'm dabbling with Google Sheets and I, and this is a work in in progress, because, for instance, what you can see is. I'm going to, after I've gone through year one, this is something that I present that uh, that actually Sheets helped me out with this big time. Um, and a lot of it, I kind of like borrowed from him. Um, but like, I use this picture right here of the pillars and I always spelled out the name. Well, if you look, when I say that this is a work in progress, the funny thing is, is when you scroll down, what does it spell? <laughs> it spells Lanier still, because I haven't, I've okay. found out my core values that spell out Hebron, which I know it's small, but it's humbleness, enthusiasm, bravery, relentlessness, 
you know, optimistic and then being noble. And then what I do is I come down here and I figure out, um, I will figure out a quote or a Bible verse. And then I use the definition so that when you pick this up and you look at, all right, what's humbleness? What does humbleness mean? How can I use humbleness? Where have I seen it before? That's what this is. Not one of these is in those uh, pillars that we talk about in Lions for Life or Longhorn for Life. So the biggest thing is, is we told the, the, the coaches is you do your thing. If you're already doing this, which several of us were, keep yeah. your pillars because your pillars are important to you as a coach and your program. These are pillars that we're looking at for humanity through sports. So for instance, love may not be one that comes out in, in someone's program. And I'm not saying that you, that's right or wrong. Mm-hmm. You you may be like me and you may not have an L in your program. That doesn't mean that love isn't important to you. Mm-hmm. It's just our five pillars for the school in Lions for Life, Longhorn for Life, and your however many pillars in your program, dude, that just makes it even better. Okay. And so that's all it is. And if you're and if you really sell yourself out on your pillars and that's what you're preaching, and you plaster stuff everywhere so that they're always seeing it. That's one of those things where when we talked about like the daily lesson plans, you just exploded that into this whole bigger realm of things that you can do because not only do you have to you do you not only do you use the five pillars that we talk about, but now you can also add in the ones that you have too. And you'd be surprised how many they that that actually overlap. And listen, I am trying to coach everybody's child as if it was my own. And if I come across a coach that is not pouring into my child to make them a better human being, I'm not going to be mad at them, but this is something that I would share with them. And this is something that I have shared with them where, and a lot of this, I'll be honest with you, Trey, a lot of this came out of almost like a survivor mentality where I quickly realized that when you have like a bunch of angry parents and you don't talk to them and they fill that silence with whatever they want, And then when you put the pressure, the worldly pressure on yourself to judge yourself by your scoreboard or the score at the end of the game and your overall record in the season or over your career, if you take too much stock in that, you're literally going to be coaching from a reactive point of view. I try to channel all of my stuff proactively through this avenue to where it spills over to make great athletes. And if they don't become great athletes, they better become great human beings. And if they don't, then I failed them. That's where my heart lies is pouring into them from a person standpoint and how can we make you the best human being possible? And then that will play over. And I've seen it happen and I've seen coaches like, you know, sheets and and, and butch Chaffin and those guys, they talk about it all the time where when you pour into those kids the right way, they're going to bring more out and it's going to make them better. Now they're better, maybe not as good as somebody else, but they're going to be better. And at the end of the day, Isn't that all you ask for? I tell my seven-year-olds in peewee, have fun, get better. You do that every day, every practice, brother, you can have all the Capri Suns that you want. Like that's all that we ask for is have fun, get better. And then when they get older, this is the stuff that I want. Like, and, and, you know, Pastor Tripp and I have already talked about, like I'm trying to take this to the next level on my end at Hebron and you know, he and I are talking about how like epic this would be as kind of a, it, nothing's ever turnkey where you just plug in place, but 
How can we make this accessible to your school, your program, your guys? How can we make it accessible at the professional level, the college level, and everything else to where these are things that guys are talking about in their classroom sessions? It's real quick, five minutes. Hey, listen, gratitude, baby. Look, we're on pillar one, gratitude. What's gratitude look like? This is what gratitude is in the de- in the dictionary. Here, How many of you guys have seen gratitude play out? When was the last time that you showed gratitude or it was shown to you? And then you think about it. Sheets with his uh, first day picture thing, the Thursday phone calls that guys are doing, the letter writing stuff, that's all gratitude. When you thank somebody else, man, you're hitting that pillar right where you need to. And as long as you're doing those things, and they don't take long, the phone calls, five, 10 minutes tops. Mm -hmm. I have a hard time believing that you can't carve out some of that stuff. And it's just like the mindfulness training. I'm big into, you know, Alan Jager's mindfulness training and what Sheets has done and and Alan has done through that. And I've seen it work, man. These kids need to disconnect big time. But once again, if it's important to you and if it teaches them those skills, you got to find time to do it. And and at the high school level, especially, it it gets tricky. but you know, sh- show me your show me your bank account, and I'll show you what's important. You know what I mean? Where, wherever you're spending your money, that that's what you value that that day or that moment. And so, in your practice plan, if you take that elevated look over it and you step out of the box, when you look at your practice plan, where's your importance? Is it just on hitting? Is it just on base running? Is it on defense? Is it jack of all trades, master of none? Where you're like me, and I hit on everything. I throw everything at you. Let's see what happens. But everything that we do, I think, would be geared more towards I'm trying to speed the game up and practice to slow it down in the game. So a lot of the stuff we do is live BP. It's exit below fungo where you're getting out there and some of the kids we put catcher gear on, you know, and, and we're rifling stuff. I let other hitters hit to their teammates so that they can have competition in there. Um, you know, so I don't I don't think that there's necessarily one thing that I do great except for or even good except this is where my heart is. This is this is where I feel like God has led me on my battlefield and my war path, where if I were to die on any hill, it's I want these kids to know this stuff, and I mm-hmm. want them to be A1, A-plus, unbelievably awesome human beings that hopefully can win some games, because let's face it, winning's way more fun than losing, and winning is hard, and it should be celebrated. I just don't, that, that's not my, that's not the hill I'm going to die on, especially at the high school level. Well, it, 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 it's all about our perspective as well, you know, and absolutely, you know, you're definitely, uh, you're not a win at all cost, you know, and uh, it, it's just having a higher, a bigger purpose. And like you said, those things, the winning uh, is only so long. It's almost like you said, passion and love. I thought that was crazy, man. Like, because everybody would say like, you know, passion, it was like, it's like a characteristic of a very successful person. But like you said, passion doesn't last as long as love you know so that's it's pretty wild man i think that was really great stuff man that was awesome um dag on buddy like i know um here we already already in an hour the exit below fungo with the catcher get you some of that while you're gonna compete oh, oh man uh what are the give so give us a couple of, of other little nuggets like that like unique things like that's pretty you know very unique i know you like the you know pretty competitive uh in your practice what's another way that you kind of bring that competition you know that kind of uh Dude, that's like pushing the edge there. Like, because I think some really good coaches, like, man, I think guys have to like you always you you, you throw things out there like, man, this guy's nuts, you know. Like, there's always a little bit of that. 
<laughs> well, <laughs> and, and can you see can you see my screen what I'm doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So like I said, you know, I, I took a bunch of this from uh, Sheets. And look, I, once I get this thing finalized, um, I am willing to share any and everything. But what I did was uh, over fall break recently, I went through and like I said, this isn't a published website, so it's kind of rough. But I went through and I looked at all the charts that I use. And I yeah. basically took everything that I had in my Google Drive. And I'm like, all right, I steal charts from everybody so that I always have it. And then I'll combine all this stuff. But like, um, I don't know if it's going to pop up. I'm going to show you. This is basically my holy grail on offense. And this is what I've gotten from a bunch of different people. And I use this from the first coach that I had, um, who was a phenomenal uh, mentor to me, Frank Vashaw at uh, North Gwinnett. He did this points chart. But what happens is, is you basically just put your starting lineup in on the first line. Everybody can figure that out. But each one of these things to the left side of the yellow, they're positives. And then all the stuff over here are the negatives. Trey, I cannot tell you. I've been doing this for 10 plus years. And there is li literally a 100% correlation between your number on the points chart and your batting average. My goal as a coach is to get you to hate your batting average because the one thing that I want you to look at is more or less your slugging percentage and your on-base percentage is the biggest one. I'm one of those guys where it's, I don't care when you're in the outfield, if you open up to the ball or if you turn your back and you do the reverse pivot and everything else, I just care that you caught the ball or you didn't let the ball get by you. How right. you get there makes no difference to me. Be an athlete and just get there. This is that mentality for offense. So, like I said, I'm willing to share anything because all of this stuff has been shared to me, and I'm I'm more than than like I want to pay this forward. But basically, what it is is if you square a ball up, and I know a lot of guys. I'm big on the three to eight chart. So the hard three hop ground ball through the infield to the line drive that's over the guy's head. That's that's a three to eight barrel shot. Okay, you get two points. If you get on base, you get a point. If you are a leadoff hitter and you lead off with a hit, and you guys can read all this. I mean, I, it, it doesn't go into it. But, like, I offer massive amounts of points for a bunt for a hit, for a sacrifice, for a squeeze. Anytime you score, you get one. Anytime you steal. If you put a two-strike ball in play, I don't care how hard it is. Man, you're getting a point for that. And then stolen bases. You know, I, I like, I love listening to these guys. And man, David Webb is the goat when it comes to the, the West Coast offense. I'm an East Coast guy. I'm in Georgia. The West Coast offense literally makes me want to just put on a suit of armor and just go to war. Where if you, I mean, I know you've interviewed uh, a bunch of these guys, but listening to him talk about the West Coast offense literally gives me goosebumps about how yeah. when the third baseman makes an error or strikes out looking on a bad call, and then all of a sudden you see him sulking around in between innings. And then the first guy he has just drops the bunt down. And then the next guy does it. And I'm sitting here going, oh, my gosh. Like, I ha I used to have this saying. I don't know if I can use it in Hebron anymore. But uh, I used to have a black heart mentality where it's like, look, you can be friends before the game and you will be friends after the game. But during the game, man, if they're not in our colors, black heart, like go for the – like go all in and do that kind of stuff. It's just, sorry, I'm going off. I think, on a I think, I think that like, it just, it's like you said, the power of words, you, it needs to be like that. It's just different ways of saying it. So instead of maybe the black heart, now it's like ultra competitive or yes, you know, exactly. Like it, it's us versus them. You know, it's, you know, however you want to say it, 
Uh, but I think those things are important, you know, and also like it shows us like um, those are those are important things because when you get into a job interview, you know, like it's somebody else like you have to compete more, you know, like you got to compete more than the other person. Yeah, I, I just think those things are those things are natural. And then you can keep oh, yeah. it in its rightful place where like I don't I'm not going to cross a line, you know, but uh, those things are good, man. Like those are great. And I don't know if you can go in or if I can go in. I, I'm I also sure. love this because uh, cause this is one thing I'm dabbling in too. Like when I, cause I always, I always get into like when I do my stuff for offensive stuff is it's about your value as an offensive player. Right. And so, Oh yeah. You know, and I love like, cause that's why I'm going to try to pick your brain here. Cause like, it sounds like this chart doesn't stop with just their at bat. You're also giving them points for like what I heard you say is a stolen base too. Oh yeah. And so, you've also then brought in the process of like if the leadoff guy gets on. So like it's all kind of situational based too. Because that's oh, what absolutely. my thing was, is like I did have a chart, like I do weighted quality at bats, but then I'm like, Yeah, this kid drops down a button, that's great, or he gets a single, but he stole the next pitch to get and then the next guy scored him to get, you know, and that helped his weighted quality at bat. But at the same time, like we also should be because I'm that's kind of where I'm at now, and then this space of like how can I show value to the stolen base that set up that guy to have extra points on his way to quality at bat when he had a double, you know, or he had a Absolutely. single and scored the yep. guy. Absolutely. And so, I mean, it's like I said, you know, if you want to see what's important in your life, check your banking, you know, checking account, see where you spend your money and look at your practice plan. So it, as you progress over here, it's like you talked about, I sell out on selflessness and it's all about, you putting the team first. It's not your batting average. It's what can you do to help the team win that pitch, that at bat, that play, that game. And so when you go over here, all this stuff is easy. All you, every coach wants barrel shots. So you reward that advancing a lead runner. You better reward that because if you want your kids to sell out to move runners and not worry about if they're getting a hit or not, you better have something for if they, even if they get out and they ground out hard, hit the ball hard, barrel shot to second base, but they move that runner with one out, no outs from second to third, man, you've got to be celebrating stuff like that. Sacrifices, I'm all about it. And the one thing I tell the kids is, is it doesn't go against your batting average. Like you still have to speak their language, but you know, just like the West Coast guys, man, I'm big into the bunting. I'm big into the hit and running. Something that I need to go back and add now that I'm talking to you, which is awesome because I love doing this, is I need to add successful hit and runs. I need to add if you, uh, if you do a uh, a slash, you know, if you successfully execute it, whether it's in a bunt situation or if that's just what you want to do. Um, and then over here, I always tell my kids, if you look at the left side of the yellow and the right side of the yellow, there's a lot more on the left. There's a lot more positives that you can find than the negatives. And the negatives are, I mean, look, it's a reality. It's our game. If you don't reach base, you're not going to get rewarded. All right. But if you fail to move a runner, you're going to get something taken away. Striking out. My big thing is, is I don't die on that hill, but I don't want my guys striking out. I want them putting the ball in play because I feel like not that strikeouts are wasted at bats by any means. It's going to happen. But once you get to two strikes, we go into battle mode. And like I tell them spread out, it's got to be the most unbelievably nasty looking swing. But I said, you have no idea the mental war that is going on pitch to pitch between you and the pitcher and catcher, and then the pitching coach or the coach that's calling pitches. Like, the more you can hang in and at bat or when you don't strike out, when you have two strikes on you, 
the more frustrated the other team's going to be, which means it's going to lead to guys coming out of the bullpen early or elevated pitch counts early or just frustration where the guy misses a pitch, maybe the next batter, and it's because of what you did. But there's no tangible way of really figuring that out. It's just talking to your kids. But like this is another one that I love. If you're going to preach barrel shots, I've got a column right here for the week um, plus count. Uh, it's a week plus count ball and play. So if any of our players, 0-0, and I probably need to add more counts here, um, like 2-0 is not on there. I need to add that. But if you put a ball in play that's a plus count and it's weak, you're going to get points taken away. Now, the cool thing is, Trey, is when you go across and you look at this, is if you hit the ball hard and you hit a guy in, it's a sacrifice fly, two points for hitting it hard, you get one point for advancing the runner because he scored, it's a sacrifice, which gives you two more. So now you're up to five points. And then you got an RBI, which is one. You got out. But you got six points on the point chart. That right. is an epic, epic at bat for one run. And so that's the kind of things that I do where I have another sheet that already has kind of scenarios already played out where this is the worst at bat you can have. This is the best at bat you can have. This is a normal at bat. But we tell our guys every game, you want to have 10, 10 points. That's your goal every game. And then what we do is when I was at Lanier is we had different colored uh, steer heads. So they were little helmet stickers. One was, uh, one was black, one was orange. And when you got 10 points, you got a helmet sticker. And then when the team got to a certain um, amount of points in a game, the whole team would get a helmet sticker or a sticker to put on their locker if that's where they wanted it. So then you got the team buy-in. And then the cool thing is, is I know I've got our, this is from last year, um, but this is where you roll everything into one. This is a season one. And I, I blocked out our, uh, our players from last year, but I have one for the varsity, the JV and the ninth grade, but this is literally a tally. So, you know, this player, and we kept a running total and I always put them, from first to last. And this is a this is on the Google Drive. I send yep. this out to my players every day. I post it in the locker room. You know, and this was when Cobra Kai came out. So everybody was huge on that. Strike first, strike hard, no mercy. Um, and I love it. But these were, I mean, everything that you need is on here. You know, you can tell when a guy had a good game, but you can also see how hard it is to reach that 10-point mark. But then you also see, and this is our big thing, we were fortunate enough to play, what is that, 29 games last year? No, uh, 30. 30. Um, we should have played, I think it was 32. We lost one or two um, because of rainouts that we couldn't get made up. But like these guys right here, they would get uh, like a T-shirt or I would take them out to dinner because they reached the century mark for the season. And okay. that right there is when you know that you had a fantastic day. And like I know Jim Tomei talked about in his Hall of Fame speech, where he would put like ping pong balls in a jar and he wanted to have 162 ping pong balls at the end of the season because that meant every ping pong ball or every rock or whatever it was that he put in there, that meant he helped his team out one time that game, whether it was offense or defense or it, it didn't matter or anything like that. I, I know we're running short on time. Um, real quick, I've got this that I'm going to publish and work on that I'll share with anybody. And then the other one that I have done a while, but I'm going to update is can you see this uh, PowerPoint? Yeah. The co coach's clinic. So I walked through a bunch of stuff on here, but what I've also done is I've also filmed 
like a bunch of our stuff from Lanier that I put videos in here talking about drills that we have done. And I'm one of those guys where I like making like coaches Bibles is what I basically call it, where when I had my assistant coaches or whatever, all of my assistant coaches that are still at Lanier have rights to this because Mm -hmm. they helped me put this together. That way, when you go on a job interview or when you are looking for a drill, like these are a bunch of the hitting things that we did where it was like team stuff and everything else. I stole this from, uh, I think it was Butch Chapman and uh, Webb about the trigger finger for bunting. Mm -hmm. And I send this stuff to our coaches. That's from Sheets. Um, You know, I send all of these things, but this is basically everything that we do you know, there's Trent Mongero from back in the day. I, I use his drills to show our coaches. But these are all of our team defensive things and all that that uh, that, that that I do that are all there. So when, when you ask, you know, you know, be prepared to talk about stuff that you do great, I don't do anything great. The only thing great that I do is I, I show up, you know, and, and I'm one of those guys where I've realized through this uh, working genius thing, I'm a checklist guy where – these PowerPoints, this website, the charts, I love all of that stuff. I love taking somebody else's thing and making it fit me. Or if you send it to me, I put my spin on it and send it right back. But the biggest thing is, is I'm just, I'm a galvanizer. I'm very passionate about what I do. And so that's the one thing that I felt made me, makes me a good coach is, man, I'll sell out on anything that you want me to sell out, whether you're, you're my head coach or you're a player who's doing something or you're my athletic director. Like that's what I'm all about. Um, so like I said, I know I didn't get into a lot of that stuff. My heart is with like that line for life, Longhorn for life. The character ed stuff is where I, that that's the hill I die on. Um, but like I said, I still have all of this other stuff that I'm more than willing to share, um, for, for anybody that, that wants to look at it. I can send the charts individually. I can send, you know, like I said, that whole thing, I won't send the whole blueprint thing, but I'm working on getting those charts transitioned over into that video PowerPoint, that video PowerPoint. Y'all can have it. Like, I mean, it's a labor of love, but it's something that just like everybody else, like I I want other people to have it, especially newer guys that are looking for drills and everything else. Um, But once again, just like everyone in the business, you know, I I did not come up with one of these things. I just came up with a different format to put it in. So, and like you said, hence how you do it and it makes sense to you, you know, (laughs) absolutely. So what was, so if we're sharing those things, what would be the best way to contact you about that? Uh, Email. I have two of them. Um, you can find me on, oh, this is pathetic. I don't know my Twitter handle. It's, uh, I think it's at Coach Wyman 11. Let me go in and check real quick. Um, where's my profile? Yeah, so it's at Coach Wyman, W-Y-M-A-N 11 on Twitter. Instagram, yeah. if you want to DM me, and that up real quick. It is Coach underscore Wyman. And then my email, um, I can give you both of them. I'm, I'm not shy about any of that. So my school email is Jonathan, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N dot Wyman, W-Y-M-A-N at Hebron, H-E-B-R-O-N, Lions, L-I-O-N-S dot org. And then the other one, my personal Gmail, if you want to do that, or it might be easier to share some stuff is Jonathan Wyman said the number seven at gmail.com. I can even give you my phone number, man. I love doing what you guys do. I love talking to people. Um, I don't know if that's what guys have done 
uh, a lot in the past, but I'm more than willing to give my cell phone out if somebody wants to shoot me a text or anything else. Sure. Um, that That's the way I communicate. So my cell phone number is uh, 770-361-3628. Awesome stuff by Coach Wyman. I just loved our conversation. And you can just tell the, the kind of person he is. Uh, first and foremost, I just love the the, the advice we talked about this in the, in the in the episode too in the interview, but um, I just know how interviews go, and sometimes you just don't catch everything. So it's great to review. Uh, but right from the get go, he talked about like, just trying to get in with a winner. When he got with the North Gwinnett, just wanted to do whatever he could, get in there, learn, um, and not just take a, any kind of job. He wanted to get with a winner, wanted to get with a great program, so he could learn and learn from great valuable coaches. I thought that was very very good advice. Um, it is all about it, relationships, so he gets into that and how important, and you can just hear that passion from him. You can hear the love he has for people and really how he has made that change to be to win the human war, as he talks about it. Um, he just gives a ton of credit. Shout out to a lot of guys, but the thing is, like, he's making it his own, you know, um, and he's living those things. So it's, yes, he might have learned those, but he's also smart, smart enough or he's also seeing the changes that this Bible, it's, it's affecting his life and it's moving him in a, in a, in a good, good direction. Um, you know, and, uh, it, it's, it's, it's awesome to see. And like I said, he's great. Exactly what the podcast is about, you know, just from everything from, you know, again, starting with core values and, and, and going everything from there. It's about relationships. Uh, he's about creating a better person, which is going to uh, essentially create a better baseball player. But at the end of the day, if they if they do not become a better person, then he hasn't done his job. And he talked about that, which is just extremely admirable. Um, how he his practice plans, you know, are open for anybody to share. Uh, please again reach out to him at Coach Wyman W Y M A N eleven on Twitter. Uh, Coach underscore Wyman on Instagram, Jonathan.Wyman at HebronLion.org, or JonathanWyman7 at gmail.com. All notes are posted on Podbean for those people that want to see more of my notes. Um, But again, reach out to him, willing to share with anyone. And uh, just wanted to give a shout out to our sponsors uh, for again for making this possible and doing the great job that they do. Will Minor and Netting Professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting Professionals specialize in design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, scoreboards, BP screens, and ball cards. They also design and install digital wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting professionals continue to provide quality products and services to many recreation, high school, and college fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Contact Will Minor. Contact guys at Netting Pros at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. So, grateful for being part of the Netting Pros family chat. Um... Really thankful, Coach Nime, uh, Wyman, for all he did for us. Uh, his his plus chart's really good. Uh, I know guys didn't get to see that one. Is he just talking about sharing it? Uh, it's really good. It's really in depth. Uh, ton of great stuff on there for those guys willing to, to take a dive into there, see what you can use to, and, and how to make it part of your program, what you do. I think that's what you heard from him. As much as he's talking about all these people and how he got them, he still then makes it his own. So then it becomes his own. It can be part of who he is 
and I think that's valuable. Um, looking into also to that five to ten minutes, you know, kind of mental minute when guys do before practice. I think that's very valuable. You know, when you get a your pillow for the day, you've got a quote. Then you have a challenge, and how are you bringing that into concrete, not just words, but then let's have a challenge. He talked about his gratitude challenge when he's forcing the pitchers to get in catcher's gear and catchers throwing to them and having them walk in their shoes and seeing how hard it is you know, to be grateful for what they do. So really great stuff by Coach Wyman. Can't thank you enough, buddy. Appreciate you, and uh, can't wait to our next talk. So for everyone, thanks for holding on. Thanks for, for all the support. Again, email me, tradeteacob at gmail.com. Follow us. Check us out. I do have some gear out there, too. If you want some uh, Better Men, Better Ball Player podcast gear, feel free to order in time to get it before the ABCA and for your next conference. So until next time, keep getting better.